How can you be part of a religious community that straight up Sometimes it feels like the church is trying to hold The church seems to be stuck in their ways when the rest of the culture is so obsessed with keep trying to get answers, but they don't even know the questions we're asking. The church is the most vocal political voice against immigration. Some churches still don't believe that worship was the actual the church seems to be stuck in their ways when the rest of the like, culture how is that actually It seems like so much of the church is more concerned with being a good anti-critical than they are being a good homophobic, Christian. too narrow, judgmental, disconnected from what is truly happening in the real world. <sighs> the church needs therapy. Welcome to the newest episode of The Church Needs Therapy. And today, our very special guest is Britt Barron. And Britt is a speaker, teacher, and author of her new book that came out last year, Worth It. And yeah. Britt spent the, yeah, yeah. Britt spent <laughs> the first part of her life in the evangelical church and eventually became a pastor at a mega church. And according to her website, at the ripe age of 26. Where apparently, according to the website, you peaked. So you peaked at 26. That is, uh, yeah, I, my Christianity for sure peaked. It was all you downhill know, the from last there. nine years, I don't. Yeah, yeah, after that, well, questionable. <laughs> and after that moment, she started to understand more about herself, her dreams, and her sexuality. And she met a woman named Sammy that changed, saved, and transformed her whole life. Meeting Sammy, leaving the church, coming out, getting married, that is a whole story and journey right there. Have given Britt a deep-seated passion for reminding people that choosing freedom is always worth it, no matter the cost, which I love. Britt and Sammy now live in Austin, Texas, and you still have your dog, Charles Barkley? Yes, you might hear him snoring a nice. little bit. He's laying right down on my feet, just knocked out. <laughs> And Britt is passionate about having honest and at times difficult conversations and also finding joy every single day, making time to have as much fun as possible. Britt, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and the listeners and with me today. Yes, I'm so excited. Thank you Let's for getting up with, early for this. Yeah, I, I know. Well, <laughs> I, have, uh, I haven't set an alarm for years. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So if it's 6 a.m., they're okay. in here asking for yeah. a banana and we're getting the day started so this is actually it's this is this is i've already lived a life this morning okay yeah wow that. wow much respect let's start with the most important question i can think of with me following your whole journey alicia keys posted about your book last week what is that oh my about? gosh i know <laughs> isn't that wild no it was so wild me um me and my wife, we were in LA visiting friends because we recently moved to Austin from LA. Mm. And so we went back for the weekend for a friend's birthday. Um, shout out to Pfizer for making this all possible. Know, right? But um, and we went to get coffee and I looked at my phone. And you know, when you see something, you're like, that doesn't feel right. Yeah, you know? it's like like, weird. Yeah, you're like, Alicia Keys mentioned you. And I'm like, are you sure it's like Alicia, like, yeah, Hayes, it's Alika like Keys. There was no, there was yeah, no yeah, I exactly. after the C. It was Alika. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like Ray fans. Like, so, um, yeah, then I, I don't even know. So wild. Such a, you know, it's just so like, it, putting things out of the world is so wild because in 2016, I did a TED talk mm. and I did it all about race. Which in 2016 was like, you know, people were talking about it, but like not talking about it like they are today. And it like kind of got some views. And then like four years later, it like blew up, right? Like in 2020. Um, and then you like put out a book and you're like, okay, like what's, you know, and you kind of like start to like wind down and then mm. Alicia Keys Mm. shares it and you're like yeah what That's what's sick. happening yeah it's so cool so we're pretty much best friends i'll probably yeah go to, nice. her, go to her house you, after you, this you, interview. you immediately dm'd you're like i mean it's cool do you want to like talk about it you want to like hang girl yeah. I mean, she never hit me back but <laughs> yeah girl text me i'll come over <laughs> you know because you just said that about the 2016 ted talk you did 
about race. And then obviously now the last year in people's consciousness, it's like, oh, institutionalized white supremacy. That's a term people know. Systemic racism. That's like the word of 2020. Yes. I'm gonna ju- I had a question like this for later, but I want to jump ahead even before a little bit of an intro. Yeah. And I could totally be wrong about this. I could, you could be like, I've never thought that, Kev. That's just you. You got issues. But do you ever have moments where if you've been doing work around race, right? Not just mm-hmm. like thinking and writing about it, but, but actually doing work, whether it's organizing about it. Have you ever had moments in 2020 where people are doing this and almost like blowing up off of saying certain things or being the one who knows about this and, and, and deep, deep down you're like the work itself is good and you want to celebrate movement and those conversations anywhere but part of you deep down is like man we've been talking about <laughs> you know there yeah you know okay yeah maybe, you know, hey, maybe not maybe that's just me at times. no and there is there is like oh my gosh i was just talking about this with a friend the other day because i'm like listen like and not to like to my own horn but when you get into this work like you're in this like in high school i was on our school's diversity council i remember i organized a walkout in protest mm-hmm. of like racism happening in our school mm-hmm. only one person came it was me and one other person and all we did was get written up for like ditching class like it you're was not it was successful me and one other, you're all, it was me and one other person it was my friend and he didn't even go to the school he just came Look, right, yeah he was like <laughs> on his lunch break and so like you know, and walkouts and sit-ins and petitions and then all the stuff. And so, you know that like over the course of doing this work, it's like foot on the gas. It's also rest. It's also breaks. It's also conversations. It's also coffees and dinners. Mm-hmm. It's like organizing. And so something that I have been thought of a lot is like, I'm seeing these people, but I'm like, bro, th- this pace is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Like you're, what, what you're, what you're going at right now Mm. we don't it's not sustainable like mm. you are going to like burn all the way out mm. like in and, and so how to like and social media is such a weird part of that but i i am seeing these people where i'm like ooh, child like i i'm here for for you when you need a break mm. a rest yeah yeah sabbatical yeah there's a couple of things there for me even when i when i hear you saying that because one to me, a part of that speaks to like, I've always thought, and I've never been an insider, like not growing up in the church, but I've also been aware mm-hmm. of like sort of the Christian industrial complex, that evangelical like machine where I'm like, mm-hmm. that culture has the ability to co-opt anything yep. and brand it really well and like, you know, do work around it. And yep. then, you know, you can co-opt it without the depth of the long marathon of the substance of working for it. And then it's like branding and obviously it's media, people have a following. But for me, sometimes I ask that question, I jumped ahead because you said that and I laugh because let's see, I'm 36, like 12-ish years ago, I was at Fuller. And when I was there, I was studying black and womanist theology and that was like the focus of my work. And I remember now people saying stuff, I'm like, if I brought up the system of mass incarceration or the prison industrial complex or liberation theology. When I was at like a white megachurch, Orange County 12 years ago, nobody wanted to hear a damn thing about it. People were like, you know, not interested or unaware. I, I mean, I've had some uncomfortable things yeah. happen as a result. I'm like now 12 years later, that pastor's freaking woke. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you're <laughs> like, you know, it has tested like some, I don't know if I'll, if compassion is the right word <laughs> or like what, but yeah, like when you're that person ringing that bell, that's like, we need to talk about intersectionality. We need to talk about uh, black trans women. We need to use these words. We need to like, you know, switch up this language or whatever. And people are like, you're radical, like you're too much or whatever. And now the, those same people are like, we need to talk about intersectionality. We need to talk about, and you're like, it's it's testing a very specific part of me that I don't know is the best where I because I, I've thought about this and I'm like mm. the old pastors at our church I'm like what if one day they were like hey we are affirming now and then everyone like was like yay like clap for them I'm like what would I feel like I would definitely feel some type of way about that I'm like bro you you made my life so hard for years yeah. And so it's it's tough because then I also, again, being full circle back, I think about myself and I'm like, well, someone's looking at me and thinking that, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Like someone heard me preach back in the day when I was super evangelical. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, yeah, like, let's get, you know, black trans women the protection they need. And they're looking at me like, you know, where were you for me? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's both. And I definitely see yeah. where I, where I fit into that and where it rubs me the wrong way. And then I'm like, but is it you though? You know, yeah. have you been there? Yeah. Well, I think when I think about that for myself, I'm like, as a person who is doing that as an ally, not as a person who has had an entire economic and political political system leveraged against them, I'll have mm-hmm. those thoughts, you know, as a, as a white dude where I'm like, man, I was getting killed for this or I was like being ignored or just when I was, you know, first kind of doing yeah. that work or whatever. And then I, and I think that when I see a white person, I'm like, and also, Kevin, a black person could look at you and say, wow, you started talking about this 12 years ago. That's awesome. We were talking about this way before that, and we've been experiencing this for 400 yeah, years. Yeah, so. yeah, we were living it. Exactly. <laughs> so and that, that's what's, oh man, that's the hardest. <laughs> I, I literally, and I, and I firmly believe this, I think one of the hardest parts of the work is when you acknowledge your own presence in it. You know, mm-hmm. we can intellectualize all day and night. We can, we can throw terms around. We can, you know, we can approach But the, when you are able to sit and say, I recognize where I have participated, where I have consumed these ideas. I, I understand the, the lives that have been impacted. I, I, I acknowledge that right now I'm in the midst of another transformation, I'm sure. Right. So when you can, understand that it should shape your work in a different way right like we should come up come about it in a different way because you understand yeah yeah and also yeah and also with that with what you're saying like that's the humbling part or many times humiliating (laughs) to the ego when you have the self-awareness to be able to see because it's even like in relationships it's like well you don't you know it's like me and my wife joke around with like little things in the relationships Mm -hmm. we've been together forever it's like my wife never takes hair out of our brushes yeah like yeah, ever yeah, yeah. and now my daughter's uh-huh. following suit she's four now so it's <laughs> one now all i do is clean up hair around the brushes and because i put like hairspray in my hair if i like brush it through it'll like get stuck and i just uh-huh. i can't stand that i just don't like it yeah and when that little thing can start to like your ego contracts a little you're like oh like again and i'm like yes. you know what though i'm like i don't do that but when I come home and I change, I just throw my clothes somewhere and like, don't pick it up. And that, that's exactly. a lot of times the wisdom of like that thing over there. I don't do that exactly, but I have my own versions of where I'm falling short or doing this imperfectly. And I think with what you said, a lot of times the humility and the awareness of that doesn't always just transform the nature of the work but it transforms us as we're doing the work to do it with less antagonism to do it with less of a rub it's like yeah i'm calling it out but like i'm also an idiot and i've been doing this you know you know what i mean so yeah exactly It, it should change it should change the way again yeah we approach the work and and i think that so much of like i i talk about this a lot like for those of us who grew up in any way evangelical or part of the church, right? We have this bend, like we've been trained to think in fundamentalism. Mm. Like we, we have been, everything is a zero sum game, right? Either I'm right or you're wrong. Like that's how the world felt for us for a lot of years. And so when you leave the church or you being able to deconstruct your faith or you, you do whatever, you know, you want to do, I think part of the work has to be getting down to, to undoing that root, that fundamentalism root, because if not, I think what we see a lot, and especially progressive Christian circles, is like that same idea of like, do you have the right words or not? Mm. Or else you can't be like, right. it's, it's the work is still attached to this like idea, this fundamentalism um, concept. And so we got to, break that thing all the way down yeah no it's so good the ego or false self sliding towards the spectrum of progression is like hey your view is probably better for the world but you can still do it with the same oppositional antagonistic against you know fundamentalist kind of spirit that you can on the right you know so- yeah yeah like have you ever been this happens as well, like you've been listening to someone and you like agree with everything they say but like they're saying it and you're like oh my why do i not like 
Why do I not like you? Yo, no like, offense, but why do I not like you? <laughs> yeah, like, why am I hearing it? What, why am I, what's happening, mm. right? And, and it's, there's so many layers, right? We are not a monolith. So, like, any information that is coming in, it's like, okay, you feel, you're yelling at me. It reminds me of, like, a screamy pastor. That's actually probably my issue, not yours. Okay, mm. let me get, try to listen again. Okay, no, actually, no, I don't. You know what I mean? We have to, the self-awareness has to be on 10 you know mm, yeah yeah i think there like i would tell people the truth of a spiritual statement let's say we're talking about like depth of the, the experience mm-hmm. of an individual not so much social and political stuff i'm like but the truth of a spiritual statement is not just in the objective content what a person's saying it's in the subjective state of the speaker so yeah when 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 people when i have that energy it's so funny you say that because there's always a few people i can think of where i have that i'm like it's not that I disagree with what you said, but there's something about that that leaves me slightly unsettled. And because what I'm sensing in an energetic in your very person is you have not re- directly realized and become the very thing that you're saying. So somebody mm-hmm. can say, oh, about like oneness and unity and everything and letting go. I'm like, I agree with you. It is about letting go. But your neurotic sensibilities are putting on display to me that you don't actually know how to let go. So there's that inner conflict of what a person yeah. and where they're at. That's for me a lot of the thing yeah. there. And then so many words were like that have weird or like that have like if someone says like, oh, pro-life and you're like, okay, conceptually is just two words put together. Absolutely. I love life. Like, you know what I mean? But then, but then we have this context of like, oh, what you're meaning is like, do, do you ascribe to this conservative ideology that believes this and this and this about women and the, you know what I mean? So you, right. even the words aren't just words right now yeah. anymore. Yeah. Like they're, they have a whole, you know, host of things like if someone says like oh it's a bible believing church i'm like oh they're racist like yeah, you know what i mean like words. it's just like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like oh okay great like, we're learning more than one language here yeah 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 no i'm with you on that uh well we we jumped that was so good we jumped ahead yeah but, I, but been, I think yeah. that, no that, that was that was me because when you said something i was like all right i'm, I'm jumping yeah. way ahead but even to provide context i think to so much of the good things you're saying Let's like, if we zoom out a little bit, what are some of the big, and I, I don't think I know this personally either. What are some of the bigger picture movements in your life, specifically when it comes to your relationship with the church uh-huh. that help make sense of where you are today? Like, where did you grow up? I'm like in the church and I make, I'm going to yeah. college, I go to whatever. Like, what are some mm-hmm. of those bigger picture kind of movements? Yeah, well, I definitely grew up, so I'm the youngest of three. And Me so- too. Yes, shout out to the babies, the favorites. Um, so the favorites I, and the neglected, like just they're fine. Yeah, just yeah like they're a, fine. I'm pretty sure I dropped myself off at college somehow. Um, but so by the time I was born, my parents were like already like in it, like a, you know they were. So I like literally was born into okay, we're doing this. We are like bought into the evangelical movement. Um, was that in California or no? So that was in California. Yeah. So I was, uh, born in California. I lived there till I was 10, very much in the church. If you, um, if, and, sorry, if you don't mind me asking where in California. Yeah. So I was born in Long Beach, shout out. Gotcha. Um, and then lived in Whittier. Gotcha. Um, for a while. Yeah. You, you know, my, I was, I was born in Temple City. Oh, really? Look at and us. I, we would, and we would play, and my wife's from Alhambra. Oh, no way. And so, yeah. Is Whittier still the San Gabriel Valley or no? I know. I think or so. It, it might be the beginning of LA County or outside of city. I forget, but we would yeah, play Whittier like in sports growing up. Like that was close oh, to really? where we would play in Alhambra. So, yeah. I'm probably one of yes. the few people who knows Whittier when you say it. You're probably one of the few people who knows Temple City. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. Um, so, my par- both my parents... Um, didn't grow my mom grew up catholic um and my dad grew up like loosely southern christian you know how those people in the south like go to church <laughs> it's just yeah. a culture yeah. um but they weren't like in it in it in it so um they went with the evangelicalism so when i was 10 my dad who was previously in uh aerospace engineering 
felt a call from the Lord. Wow. And we all moved to Colorado. And he became the vice president of a little thing called Promise Keepers. Don't know if you remember that one. Well, here's the thing. When I said earlier, like I didn't, not growing up in the church, these are the (laughs) things as I'm reading, when I like am in my 20s and starting to like, Uh after I become in the church, I like learn about and get what they are, but I never like had any personal ties, but I do know what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a big deal in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, And so that was the beginning of me being like a PK, you know, so that was the beginning of like our whole life is ministry now. Mm. So dad works in ministry, mom does prayer groups, mentorship. We are like so in it. Um, But one thing that my parents did, which um, I love, so my mom's Mexican, uh, American, my father's African-American. And moving to Colorado, they they did want us to not, to have as much diversity as we could um, being in that town. And so that meant public schools, um, which I really appreciate because I feel like if I had a saving grace in this journey, it was like going to public school. Mm, Um, So so that was that was delightful. Um, but then, yeah. So when I graduated from high school, I took a year off to like, listen to God and decided after that year to go to a Christian college in California. Which do, are you, I, are you, do you, do you mind saying what, which one that is? Or do you like, yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah. I try to keep it under wraps um, gotcha. for just the sake of my pride. No, I'm just kidding. It was called well, Azusa thought, Pacific University. Well, I, thought, I thought maybe like sometimes people are like, Oh, you know, like when you're writing and you tell stories, you're like, I want to tell yeah. a story, but like, they don't know. I don't want to like put them on blast. You know, like that. Type oh of no, I will put, it was called Azusa APU, Pacific University. Yeah, APU. Gotcha. It's fine. It was, I mean, I have lifelong friends from there, but they are not, in any way moving towards the movement gotcha. of progression. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went there, I went there for grad school and then I left and worked at a different Christian college, Pepperdine University in Malibu. Mm-hmm. And then step, step up and in, in view and area. It was, right uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Azusa mountains or the Malibu ocean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's, I left from there to, to be a, a pastor at this up and coming mega church um, near Pasadena. So mm. that is the journey. So, but, yeah. So I was, I've been in it. Um, I was yeah. in it for a, a long time. Um, yeah. All so the promise, way in. So the promise keepers, evangelical world, you're a, as close to the center as you can possibly be in many ways, you know, in terms of the culture, the church, you know, we're rocking out, you know, like, especially cause I think you're 35, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm 36. So it's like some, I think about similar stages of like life and where we were at at the time. And at that, I feel like at that point, and, and I kind of came just after this cause I first started going to church when I was like 20, but I feel okay. like late nineties, like into 2000 was like Omega churches are like, we are Man. taking off and we're never coming like we're this this is it like this no is it was li- like honestly it was the it was the exact i feel like we are the exact age i was almost the exact age to be present for not only these churches taking off but in in the 90s in the evangelical world was the time where they started making a direct split from the quote secular world mm-hmm. in terms of like you could live your whole life in the christian so Christian school, Christian bookstore. There were Christian bowling alleys, Christian movie th- movie theaters, Christian clothing I've lines. Heard, I've never heard of that. Oh, what? You haven't <laughs> lived. Like, I was just talking to my friend the other day. He, he used to be a worship pastor, too. Um, and I was like, oh, did you play sports? Like, we were just, like, driving past the baseball field range. I don't know, whatever. I don't do sports. But, um, and he was like, oh, yeah, but I was only on a, in a Christian little league. I'm like, why did we have Christian Middle League? Like, you had, we had Christian substitute for everything. That's insane. Um, and it was like, yeah, I remember being like, oh, that, why, why do we have this? Um, yeah, but that they, was, that was the time I grew up in was like, we are making a split from the rest of the world. Right. Yeah, that's strong strong antagonism towards culture very separative you know very there's this and then there's the world there's a clear line (laughs) between all those things 
Well, that's Absolutely. even here. I mean, I've heard, I know, again, like I have a, I'm aware of a lot of that as an outsider growing up. And like, I actually just got off the phone with a friend before we talked who very much grew up in that where he's like, man, I went to a Christian school where when we would ask questions in class, we would raise a Christian flag. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know? yes. <laughs> and it, And just like as a person, like when you think kind of culturally and anthropologically, who's just fascinated with people and cultures and differences, mm-hmm. I'm just as fascinated with that or his experience and yours as he is with mine was more like young, like drugs, like I'm, we're out of control yeah. when we're young. And to yeah. my world's so foreign to him, but to me it's normal. But that world of like, I would raise a Christian flag or we would do sword drills with our Bibles. Like who can come up with the quickest Bible verse? I'm like, I didn't know those yes. types of things. Ex- like, I didn't know youth groups existed. I never heard of those until I was like, in my 20s. Yeah. I, like, oh, I didn't even know kids went to these growing up. Yeah, they know? went. They <laughs> went and they, they, you know, there's, the, and, and that's the thing. I feel like anyone who, every human being on this planet has been raised by another human being and therefore it has not been perfect. Um, but I, I think a, a lot of people can look back and say like, all right, were there, were there parts of it where, <clears throat> like I said, from APU, I have some of the best friends and, and they will be my friends for the rest of my life. Um, but also were there some things where I'm like, we literally pledged allegiance to the Christian flag mm. after we pledged allegiance to the American flag mm. at church mm. as kids. Wow. And I'm like, youth group, was it cool to make friends? Yes. But also were there some like, oh my God, I can't even unpack the like <laughs> sexual, like the the trauma of like learning about sex from like a 23 year old guy who's like, <laughs> if you do it, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. That's all you need to know. And you're like, what? That can't be all I need to know. <laughs> that yeah. can't be true, you know? Oh, yeah, a lot of the stories I hear from those things, I'm like, do you, did you ever see, this was probably 2006-ish, there was a documentary called Jesus Camp? Yes. Have you I seen that? that? Yes. Okay, so you know, it's like hardcore Pentecostal, like church camps yeah. or whatever. They're like laying hands on George Bush cutouts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the woman's like speaking in tongues, trying to get the computer to work. And at that point, like it's, we have some weird parallels in our journey, but at that point, I was at Life Pacific College. Oh, You know what that snap. is? Yeah. Yeah. So it was close, you know, to APU. I mean, APU uh-huh. is actually much more like even academically probably like credible than, you know, life yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a small <laughs> force for, not to diss them. Mm-hmm. I had a great experience like you in terms of like, hey, friends, great people. Yeah. But yeah, I'm probably going in different places. Yeah. But I remember seeing that movie and this was when that school was like the first time I was really around Christians. Mm-hmm. Like just my first experience around Christians is at Life Pacific Bible. So it was like youth group two. It was like, here's youth. And that's the real deal 19. Christians right there. Yeah. That, I got a crash course in that world for like two to three mm-hmm. years. That's why I learned about it. But I remember that movie and I kind of like brought it up in class. because I'm kind of like, bro, this is like me and my wife are like watching this documentary. You know, what's weird is my wife saw that documentary. And when she saw Ted Haggard, she was like, something's off about that dude. And then the scandal broke like within a year or two or whatever, you know? Yeah. But I, rem- I remember saying like, yeah, that movie, like it's kind of a trip. And, and the kids were like, that's not different from the camps we went to. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I get it. I- <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, me too. Same, same, same. <laughs> it's so uh, wild. It's yeah, so. That's, yeah. Yeah, I know. I interviewed D.L. Mayfield on here and she was telling me that she has like a podcast where they talk about it's all about like old Christian culture type mm-hmm. of stuff. And I'm like, I don't oh, like I cool. wouldn't I don't get most of the reference all the references, you know, because yeah. I wasn't I didn't know about Christian Little League. So I can't <laughs> speak into it. You <laughs> haven't Little League. You have that Bible study. <laughs> it's like you have to do a Bible study before you practice. <laughs> so you so. Colorado, APU, Pepperdine, mm-hmm. into a mega church in the Southern California like area still. Yep. Right. Which Southern California, like LA and Orange County, I feel like religiously for Christians, people from a distance think, oh, it's close to the coast. You know, it's very blue. It's probably more progressive and liberal. But actually, California, from my perspective, when I was there, at least in Orange County and LA area, 
the, the, the church culture, especially for evangelicals, was like, this is, to me, I'm like, this just seems like your classic Southern fundamentalism with like a cool California twist. It's like fundamentalism, <laughs> but it's like wearing like- But we know what to $1, wear. $1,400 Jordans. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's fundamentalism with Gucci and you're like, oh, and enough fog and like lasers. And you're like, whoa. Was that yeah. something racist? I can't tell. The lighting is here so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I'm so distracted. Yeah, my wife and I lived in Costa Mesa for five years, which mm-hmm. is cool. It's a really cool city. Like, like made our best friends over there. But I was definitely there just in the church culture as a whole. Even for how we are with kids and we want to raise a family. I was like, yeah, this is, this is going to be a, a temporary, you know, thing for us while we're in school. And you get surprised by the churches out there where I always found it fascinating where from a distance, I think the mind can make an assumption about when a church is on the cutting edge of like fashion and you know, there's a bunch of hipsters and people dress cool. You're like, Oh, like I can vibe there. They're probably more open. And I'm like, that means nothing. It's almost the opposite. It's almost like the more they're like that, the more you can be sure it's a Bible believing church. Absolutely. You know, you know who I, after this experience in like hit mega church world, I'm like, you want to know who I trust as progressive is like some old lady. She's in Birkenstocks and just like a, a long dress. The church building is not cool. The carpet has seen way better days. Mm. She's got a little rainbow pin and she's just she's like there. The you know what I mean? <laughs> she does not care about these looks. She does not care about the lights. You, mm. you can't see anything. It smells weird, but like they will be down for you. Mm. And that, that was the disheartening thing. And is the disheartening thing about the church specifically in Los Angeles where like, you know, there are a lot of these mega churches popping up and doing really well, quote unquote, whatever that means. Um, and the, the amount of queer people and people mm. of color who call them home because they don't know. And that was like mm. the shady thing. The church mm. I worked at, we all knew where we stood. Mm. We all knew we weren't going to marry a queer. We all knew you couldn't be queer. Aunts. We all knew the rules, mm. but we didn't say them out loud because we had those little queer uh, tie dollars mm. coming in right mm. like mm. we knew where we we knew women weren't going to be senior pastors just we could be preaching pastors teachers leaders we knew that we didn't say it out loud right you know what i mean like and that's mm. that's what's upsetting is that you have you have so many people in this community who think like oh uh, this is my home i'm i'm here only to find out the hard way and absolutely um you know, it's just yeah, upsetting. I keep, yeah, I keep trying to, you know, get back to some of the personal narrative stuff, but you keep <clears> saying stuff that's really like anticipating some of the later stuff, like questions I have, and I have a couple of things here. So now yeah. I have to jump ahead one more time because of what yeah. you said. One, it's interesting that I can think about a young man from who was a part of Imagine. My wife and I started a church here like seven or eight years ago. And uh, oh, cool. we, that we've been leading, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a young man who went to APU and came out there. I forget if he got outed or, you know, came out. He's a little Mm -hmm. bit younger than us. He's probably like 26 ish right now and didn't have a great experience. Grew up in Colorado too. How weird is that? What? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, he was out here at UA, at university of Hawaii, like doing whatever for school. And one had, had a a pretty bad experience playing football at APU, you know, just how things kind of happened. Yeah. Um, at some point ended up going to a church that will remain nameless just because I always tell people it's so fun saying that, you know, to mm-hmm. the people and they just can't get in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. My psychological <laughs> technique to keep them interested. But it was, it was one of those more well-branded mega churches. And it was the classic, this people are like me, you know, like a young gay kid, you know, finding his way after church and figuring things out, try, like trying to have hope for the church. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cool, this church, great. But the closer you closer get to the center, the more and more that unspoken to me, like don't ask, don't tell policy of like being I'm 100. LGBTQ. And you, you start to meet those invisible walls of resistance. And what I think is so 
irresponsible about that is you have people who are trying to hold on to hope who have, who have been hurt or have fear of, of being hurt, which is so legitimate through the culture. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they don't discover the barriers until they get closer, which means they probably open their heart a little bit more, which means it's even more devastating when they get there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that's what I was going to ask you after you said that, like, there's a dangerous form of bait and switch that yeah. many churches do. You know, while they say, and I'm sure you've heard this, everyone's welcome as they are. And I believe deep down, they, they mean that in terms of like their ability to actually live it out. Like they want to mean that, you know, I really mm-hmm. think so. But what ends up happening, like I said, is they get a little bit closer. They start to connect to community. Maybe they're more involved and they discover that there are barriers towards their, their full participation as LGBTQ people, as being leading or connecting or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes another traumatic, oh, I'm not actually, but the fullness of who I am isn't welcome here. Like Mm -hmm. being in the church, being a person, uh, being a, um, a person who's not only on staff, but a person who identifies as queer, a person who got married. Like you've kind of been through so much of that and have seen so much behind the curtains. Do you see that bait and switch? Is that a thing? You know, is that like, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's absolutely a thing. And, and you know, I got, I got into it with just about every person on staff after I left, right? Because I'm not mm-hmm. afraid of a little um, conversation. And, and one of the things I said and will continue to say is – listen, it's, it's honestly, this is America. So you get, if you believe that queer people are not in the fullness of, of, of what God has for them or uh, the fullness of, of how you think a person should live, then honestly, it's your right to believe it, but be clear about it. Be vi- own it because here's what's upsetting. And here's why we have the bait and switch because these churches do not want to take on the backlash for owning what they actually believe in an upfront way. Absolutely. Because these churches came out, the church, they come out and they say, Hey, listen, we just want to be very clear. We are not LGBTQ affirming. Uh, We are confirming of affirming of women up until this point, our conversation on race will not include these intersections. Um, Have a, have a nice day. They know that that will not be popular. And, And this is what I keep saying. I'm like, every single queer person has had to pay the price of standing in their truth. All we ask is that you stand in yours. I'm not asking you to change your entire theological position. If this is where you stand, then stand there. But you have to be clear about it. Mm-hmm. You absolutely need to, it's the It is the most kind thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, which is my thing that I say all the time. My friend George, uh, he started this thing called Church Clarity. But every conversation I have, I'm like, listen, I am not out to change your mind. Mm-hmm. If you believe that queer people are not invited at your table, fine. I am only on a mission to make that clear to them, right? Because if not, you're like, bro, like, fine, believe it. But you have to pay the cost for being clear about it. Mm. I had to pay mine. Mm. You had to pay yours. That's the way the world works. You cannot sit on the fence and try to dupe people in only for them to get close and be rejected. Yeah. Yeah, and I I do think... Like when I was at like a, a larger mega church, you know, 10, 12 years ago in Orange County around that time, I think it seemed like back then it was easier for churches to get away with, let's be as vague as possible for the <laughs> yeah. sake of not really not having mm-hmm. to talk about it. And now, yeah. because the broader culture is changing at such a rapid pace, that's becoming less and less tenable because of things like church clarity, just because of the conversation as a whole, mm-hmm. because more and more queer people who are Christians and self-identify as Christians are like being seen, ha- are having platforms in ways they never did before. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's putting the social pressure and making it less possible where it's like you can't just do the vague sermon of like we're welcoming in a vague way now it's like you can own it either way you know what i'm saying yeah. it's becoming harder to do the old thing which is that which creates unintentionally i think for them that bait and switch culture which ends up hurting so many people like i've experienced from like the kid i mentioned young kids in my church mm-hmm. friends of mine who are you know trying to still somehow stay connected with God and following Jesus in the church, you know, Mm -hmm. as they're coming to terms with and owning their own sexuality and their own life, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I've always felt 
you can be gay, you can be bi, you can be queer in this community as long as you never talk about it. And even though yep. we all know it's like a weird conspiracy, and I was 20, I'm like, oh, it's this weird conspiracy of silence where they just don't want to talk about it. And you're trying to like, like, I just found that to be the weird, I was like, what is there's you know so much weirdness. You know, I had a friend come out when we were, well, he's younger than me. So when he was still in college at APU and he was in like leadership positions on campus and one thing they told them, they're like, okay, this is um, APU being progressive. They had changed their statement on sexuality, which was in our student handbook. And at first it said, you, you can't be gay. Then they change it to, all right, you can experience same-sex attraction because that's out of your control, but you can't act on it. Mm. So he would be in like meetings and being like, okay, well, yeah, you could be in this role. You just like can't ever date anyone. Mm. Mm. And you're like, why was that ever okay? And why did we ever think like, oh, okay. Like this is normal. Like, we were in a mm. freaking cult basically that was like, <laughs> Let me watch it every move, tell you who you can and can't date, what you can and can't do, like what, what are the words you can use? Um, come sing with us on this day. It was, mm. it's wild, right? And we create yeah. all these little codes of conduct and you think to yourself, at some point I was so far in the churches what kept me in the closet for so long is I was like, where do I go if I'm not here? All my friends are here, all my networks, all my connections, everything I am as a human feels like it is tied to this place mm. and so in that you're willing to like let a lot of like little things go little things quote unquote um because you, you don't want to lose your connection right mm. yeah well that, that's a that's a good segue now that we've done two long rabbit trails both my fault now back <laughs> to the story we, we got we got we i got love a rabbit part. trail yeah and now but that's a good you know, talking about, even when you talk about all these rules, but what's funny is a lot of those rules, it's like a family system where no one, no one ever tells you the rules, but everyone knows them and everyone abides yeah. by them. You know what I'm saying? Um, so you do church, APU, now you're at a large church. And then I'm going to read this quote that I found of yours. And, I'm, and then I'm, I, wanna, I want you to tell that personal experience being at the church and, and the journey after that. Yeah. You say feeling something so natural and so good and having it collide with the world you existed in was really, really traumatic. So you are working at a major mega church. You are an up and coming star, you know, in the mm -hmm. evangelical world, you know, you've yeah. a promise keepers kid is going to just keep on taking off, you know, evangelical you, star on the rise. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's happening, but along the way, somehow you start to, have feelings for, have a relationship with, and fall in love with a girl named Sammy who would eventually become your wife. So yeah. you just said your identity is so tied to a particular culture, place, people. Like it's like everything. It's all, it's all encompassing thing, right? And then you start to have these feelings. You start to have this relationship. What then happens what is happening with you yeah. two? what's happening within you and how do you go from the first realization of romantic feelings sexual attraction connection into what that what what goes on after that how do you how, how do you move forward with that yeah no that's a good question it took me a long time to figure it out um i met sammy i met her at church um she was volunteering for the college ministry that i was starting and up until this point, it wasn't, I don't have one of the stories where, um, like I knew I was gay when I was very young and sort of kept it in that mm. I, and partially in, in, um, relation to my Christianity, like that I was so disconnected from myself, particularly like my own sexuality mm. that I didn't even, you know, um, sorry about that. Um, I always joke that it's the best place in the world to be closeted is church because when I would be like, oh, I'm not tempted at all to, to have sex with a man and people would be like, that's good. Like God is, <laughs> you know, like, and I'd be like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing it right then, you know, like I'm not interested in this at all. And they'd be like, good job, you know. Um, so meeting Sammy really opened up a part of myself that I, I didn't even know was there, um, you know, and I met her when I was 27. So it's like, it, you know, I'm, older than 
most people when they figure out who they're attracted to. Um, but in, I mean, I just like, I met her and I was like, what is, what is habit? I'm so captivated by this. I want her to be my best friend in the world. I want to hang out there every day, you know, and it, and it didn't take long before I was like, Oh my God, I, I get it. I get everything that people have always talked about wow. in terms of falling in love and, and being attracted to someone. And so almost, I mean, I, 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 it is, that was a journey. It, one of the first, it, it was just hard. Mm. And I remember one of the first things Sammy and I both were like, we need a therapist. Like we have to, we have to talk to someone about this. We don't feel safe enough to talk to anyone in our life. Like, wow. um, so you guys start, so we started like, connecting, going, forming a relationship. It's just hidden. Yes. But you're hanging out, you're connect, you're doing all like, yes. And, and, our, and everyone in our life is like, Oh, they're best friends. Gotcha. Um, and we started going to therapy together and separate. Mm. And um, I remember telling my therapist that being like, this feels like the best thing that's ever happened in my life. I always describe it as like, it, it felt like air for the first time, like falling wow. in love with Sammy. I was like, oh my God, like this is breathing. This is what human connection is supposed to be. Um, and then in the same breath, which, you know, my, my, my stomach get, turns every time I think about this. And I literally told my therapist, I said, but I can't tell if it's just a test. Mm. Like, if, if, is this God testing me? Because I've all these amazing things are happening. I am this, you know, evangelical star on the rise and I have all these opportunities. Like, is this a test? Am I supposed to turn down something this amazing? And then that will be my keys to the kingdom basically. Right. right? Which is like, I can't even, Which you know, talk now about I look back. Like psychological and emotional. Come on. Pressure. Right. And like wow. trauma, like my first response to something really good is like, this is a test to see if I'll give this up for God. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and, and, you know, thank God for my therapist who was like, that, that sounds like trauma. <laughs> was, I was, like, was, what? Your, was your therapist a Christian or no? So, and looking back, I'd say she was where we are now. Hmm. Hmm which was amazing. So she, she understood totally the language and she understood, but she was like, not having it. She was gotcha. like, no, like you sound yeah. like someone, she literally would, would tell me, she's like, you sound like someone who has been abused, like in the way you talk about mm. God. And I'm like, I, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> you're like, you're so like, all but, this is, but Christian little league, how it can't yeah, be. <laughs> Awanas, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. Um, yeah. So, I mean, she, she, she is, she eventually married us um, at, at our oh. wedding. She, she played such an important role. I don't know what we would have done truly. We, you know, I think we would have figured it out, but um, she's amazing. And so eventually it got to the point where Sam, Sammy had, I think, less holding her back than me. Mm. Um, only because she kind of like you, but maybe a little bit earlier, like she was like 16 ish when she sort of got into the church and her family was kind of like loosely tied. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't yeah. drastically different experience than yours. Yeah. Most, a lot of her community growing up was like from sports or mm -hmm. these different things. And so she was like, we'll just go and build a new um, community. And I just would tell my, like, I kept thinking, like, what do I, I can't work at APU. I can't, I, I would be cutting off every community and network I've had. And I, that's so scary. Um, and so I, we were closeted for three years. Wow. Um, and over those three years, we slowly started telling more of our, like, I told my parents, um, my sister, brother, close friends, like we had slowly kind of created the circle. Um, but it, it all came down to me just being able to, to sort of cut those ties and knowing that I was cutting those ties. Like I'm, mm. I know this, you know, this is what's going to happen. And so, I mean, looking back now, I'm like, Jesus, I should have done that, you know, mm. day one, but I had mm. to, I had to work that out, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was a, it was a journey for sure. So do, did you eventually have to have like a conversation with the lead pastor where you're like, this is where I'm at. I'm choosing to leave or this is where I'm at. You make a decision. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. So I, I, I arrived at the point where I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be with Sammy 
that is the life I'm choosing. That is what I want. Um, and I know that that means leaving my job. And I hadn't figured out yet. I don't know. And when or what. And so two days after I sort of had this like realization moment in my mirror in my um, apartment, like I had this like beautiful moment with God. And I was like, yes, you, this is what you do. And two days later, we were just in a meeting, in a random meeting, and and it, the issue came up that there was a, a lesbian couple who wanted to lead a small group. And um, they're like, so who should um, call them and tell them they can't? And you ever have those moments where you just like see a color? Like everything just went red and I mm. lost it. Mm. Um, and I just start like, I just... I'm like going in and like halfway through, I was like, this is for sure me quitting my job. Didn't wow. think that was going to happen today. You're, but... like, you're cool. You're cool. You're yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Not... I'll mess with you. <laughs> never you. You'll never see what I'm <laughs> And I'm like, I, I'm like, I can't believe these people are like, you're going to take their money, but you won't let them. Like, this is a, such an embarrassment to like, who, mm. you know? Um, and then I was like, at the end of that, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so what? Did you just walked out of the room? <laughs> yeah, so then, I, so then everyone left the room. They're like, we're going to go get lunch. I was like, yeah. Um, and then the senior pastor came in. I was like, hey, I think we need to talk. I said, yeah, I think we do. Um, yeah, no, I think we need to talk. Yeah, yeah, no, I called <laughs> I, this meeting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm in charge. <laughs> And that was me leaving. And I, and, and. But when you went, when you saw red and you saw, like, did you, did you say like, I'm, I'm in a relationship? No, I didn't. And, oh, and so, very okay. specifically. And, and when I left too, cause I was like, I, I, I don't know. I just kind of felt like I, you don't, I don't even, you don't deserve this information for me. Like mm-hmm. um, you'll find out how you find out, mm-hmm. but I'm going to tell you right now, I am leaving because of this church's treatment of queer people. Gotcha. That's why I'm leaving. Mm. Um, and then like a month later, we came out publicly. Wow. Like, what? I was like, I told you it was because of your treatment of queer people. I am one of them. Yeah, yeah you just didn't know I was talking about me. <laughs> me, yeah. You know, I was just talking about some obscure, mm. but I don't know. Yeah, so, and, and ever since then, I mean, things have, <clears throat> you know, it was hard and we had a lot of hard conversations and lost friends and relationships and gained friends and relationships, yeah. um, but I would do it a trillion times over to have a life I have now. Yeah. Yeah. That I tell people all the time, like one in ways that would be a great irony for a lot of Christians and conventional spaces to hear this or to even think about it. But I'm always like, you don't understand the amount of grace it takes for a queer person to have any desire to be a part of a church. It, you know, it, in, in a community, oh. in a community, and a movement that is centered around this idea of grace and this gift of it—it's this is for mm-hmm. everybody. It's all accessible right now. I'm like, and the value of that theoretically, I'm like, but the people that you want to marginalize are the very people that are having to embody, live it out, breathe it, and extend it to you silently in ways you would never even imagine just for them to even try to remain a part of this is like one of those great tragic ironies. And also like, you know, one of the, a common thing I see now, you know, is a lot of pastors who are a little bit older than me, probably like early forties and they start doing vocational ministry in their 20s and maybe they finally Mm -hmm. plant a church or they come on staff somewhere and they have this like it's almost like you go through a journey of how can i be how can i push this as far as i can and be as progressive as possible but still be tied to like the center of the evangelical Mm -hmm. thing and still be an insider and eventually i think their life doesn't allow them to do that if they're honest and they go through a journey where it's like Am I going to be fully honest in, in regards to my following of Jesus, my pursuit of truth, and me allowing what feels like the Spirit of God calling me forward into an expanding and evolving faith? And if I say yes to that, I'm eventually probably going to have to say no to a lot of what I've built my yeah. entire life around, my relationships, networks, friendships, or whatever it is. And then there's a long journey of coming to terms with 
if you're going to do that, are you going to lose your life to actually find it? Just like the Jesus we say we're following, you know? Absolutely. And, and, and that is a journey where for a lot of cisgender, straight, white male pastors, like, of course, they're going to go through hard things, but they're doing that without the added on weight and heaviness of being a person who identifies as a part of a historically marginalized and, and oppressed group, which adds obviously dimensions of weight, unless you're in it, you can never understand. So I yeah. think that journey is such a like archetypal journey for everybody. It's just to me, for you to choose honesty, for you to choose authenticity is even harder and takes even more to do that. You know, in some ways for other folks, it wouldn't because the cost could will likely be even greater in light of the history yeah. and the kind of relationships you had. So it's a great, you know, it's a model and it's an amazing witness, of course, for people of faith who are queer and go through that, but it's honestly just for everybody choose trying to choose authenticity when they know there's going to be a big cost, which for yeah. me, like that's the actual, if you want to go into the real next journey of following Jesus, especially into the second half of your life and towards authenticity outside of structures and appeasing them, I'm like, mm -hmm. there's going to come a defining moment where that has to happen. You know, and that yeah. I just, I love those stories. Cause I'm like, those are the mm -hmm. stories we see in movies that makes our heart leap. And, but those are the moments when it comes our time to do it, where, where our heart shuts, you're like, Oh, cause it's just so real. You know what I mean? It is. It's, you know, there's so many things and we, I, I idolize a lot of the leaders from the civil rights movement and, and what a lot of them showed me was something bigger than you, something that you might not even get to in, live into the, the beauty of giving up this church for, loving Sammy is that now I get to have this beautiful life with this woman. Right. But th there are times though, where we, we have to choose authenticity and we, we might not even immediately get that payoff. Like you can make the sacrifice and not even see it. Like a lot of, a lot of folks gave everything to, to a movement that they didn't get to see mm -hmm. the end of. And you know, one of the things I know we're all, almost out of time here, but one of the things I, I'll, I'll say this, um, I firmly believe and always say it, it is, uh, queer people who will lead um, the, the revolution of the church, mm. right? Be because it is queer people who understand and embody exactly what you're saying. It is the story of Christ. It is this, okay, well, you can't have Sunday without Friday. Mm. Um, and, and everyone wants to live into the Sunday reality. Well, then you need to talk to some people who have been through Friday. The people who have said, no, what I will do is put everything on the line to be true to who I am, what I believe in, what I believe to be true about the world. Those are the people we need in our churches, leading, contributing, showing up, shaping, because those are the people who understand fundamentally who I am is good and valuable and true and worth something that is the exact message that Jesus came to say, who you think is powerless is actually the most powerful. Mm -hmm. Who you think does not have value has the most. And so as we kick these queer kids out of our churches, we need to stop and realize that is, ex if the church is, I mean, dying, it is going down in flames. You don't need a theological degree to know that. Um, and if you want to have a chance of revival, I think we need to start rounding up all of these queer people and, and, and begging them to be a part of shaping what happens next, because um, I, think, I think they're the leaders we need. And with this great theme of this podcast of you anticipating every question I was going to ask, <laughs> that I don't even need to ask it anymore since we're wrapping up, where I was going to end with you know, where do you see the liberating Jesus in the gospels? You know, what stories, words, and moments of his life and experience really stay with you in your journey, but you kind of jumped ahead. And I think that's a, that's an amazing response to that. And, you know, just for me as a person who in our church ends up in the lives of, you know, a lot of younger queer people, you know, finding their way you know, like imagine mm -hmm. becomes a place for them to breathe for the mm -hmm. first time, which I value so highly and a place where kids come out for the first time in church, yeah. which is amazing, you know, and those types of experiences. Um, the, you, that you have an amazing story. And I think the, you know, the, to me, I'm like authenticity the, me, all, the question that's always guided me in life is just what I just, what's real. 
That's all I've ever asked, you know, and this is where I'm at as a result of it. And, you know, who knows where I'll be in 10 years and 20 years, because that's kind of my journey. So I think the choosing of authenticity at the cost, the desire to allow the spirit to form us into what is real and who we are, no matter what happens, I'm like, that's the thing. That's what opens the path to a future that not only allows us to do the work, but to also enjoy because we're getting yes. out of who we are. And that's just such a marker of your journey. And it's such a, like I said, is it a model? Are you the pioneer ahead for so many young queer people who are going to go on their own unique versions of that? Absolutely. But it's really just a journey for everybody who's wanting to choose that level of freedom and authenticity. Um, so with that said, the book worth it, if you want to get yeah. this is this is a glimpse into the more detailed thorough telling of the story and some of Brit's even you know more developed thoughts around this that always comes through writing worth it please go buy that book follow her on instagram and other places she's at it's is it just Brit baron just Brit baron Brit baron follow her journey it's it really is such a unique journey that i hope more and more people will be aware of and pay attention to which so many people already are and I'm just, I'm so, this was so good. I'm so grateful that you took the time to come on. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And uh, yeah, follow along her journey and you'll get more of the goodness that you experienced here. So thanks, Britt. Thanks so much.